Hey, everybody, I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are taking a letter from the mailbag asking about a fun and potentially spicy topic. But we don't go down the spicy rabbit hole as much as my heart would love to. (laughs) The email is about fraternization in the workplace. But even though Andy teases me about uh, where my head immediately goes, thinking about dating and other spicy things in the workplace, we focus mostly on uh, the big part of the question that has to do with enjoying spending time with coworkers and becoming friends with people in the workplace. Now, we've done some podcast episodes previously, and we'll link them in the show notes about what it feels like um, and how to make some decisions as a leader in a practice when it comes to being friends with your teammates. But this one has to do with um, really how to set the boundaries, but how to balance being friends with some people, maybe, and not others on the team. Some good questions into this one, and Andy and I had a lot of fun talking it through. Let's get into this, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. I've been thinking about you, Goss. I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you. I think I think you're showing your age again. <laughs> again. Continuously. Honestly, at this point, just continuously. I love it. Uh, how's it going, Andy Rourke? It is good. It's good, I think. It's ridiculously hot outside it's um yeah it's ridiculously hot outside it should not be this hot in september that that should not happen but here we are but yeah it's uh it's it's overall it's pretty good hip-hop dance classes have started back oh and so yeah so i'm (laughs) chauffeuring for that again that happened last night and uh yeah how how are your hip-hop moves coming along they're coming along they're coming along. They're they're coming along. There's uh yeah, it's it's fun. There's uh there's a lot of sass uh, at my house when hip hop dance gets done. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of very PG rated rebellion that happens with hip hop yeah. dance. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. okay. Right. How's uh you're you're in gymnastic season now? Yes. Uh, uh the the sports the fall sports have started. So we've got. Fall baseball and uh, gymnastics, and it's crazy busy. And I just was looking; they posted their game schedule for fall ball last night, and I was trying to figure out how do I be in two places as one at once as a yeah. parent who uh, often doesn't have uh, backup. Uh, it, and gosh, it takes a village, and I'm so, I'm so yes. grateful for mine because I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, okay, I have to be thirty minutes away here picking up one kid, and <laughs> five minutes later be. 40 minutes over here picking up the other kid so it's yeah. uh it's the downsides of rural living but it's good it's it's good the fall is definitely starting to come to washington so we're starting to see some cooler weather and um but i sat outside in the sunshine yesterday on my lunch break and read a book still and it's uh it's good i cannot cannot complain so. i got uh i got called upstairs a couple of nights ago it was like 9 30 at night and i was just downstairs i don't know working reading uh-huh. doing whatever uh-huh. and uh, my wife is like Andy! Can you, can you come up? I need you to come up here. And uh, I don't usually get summoned like that unless right? unless I'm in trouble. Um, but I was summoned, <laughs> I was summoned at like 930 at night. And what I walked your... up there and I walked right into this situation. That I think is quintessential for parents of teenagers. So there's my wife and there's my 15-year-old daughter uh-huh. who has apparently just revealed that uh, her theater program has rehearsals. And as a result, she will be missing the bus like every day, like basically oh. every, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then she has to be there on Saturdays. And so she won't be able to ride the bus. And so we will have to get her at like 4 p.m., which my wife and I both work. Right. Like we, right. We, we work. Right. And so um, there we are. And it's 930 at night. And my wife has got her calendar out. And she's like, I need you to get your calendar. And we <laughs> got to figure out how we're how we're going to do this. Uh-huh. And I said, again, I've come a long way. So I was like, this feels like disaster like uh-huh. just from the very outset like i'm not sure feels how like a giant go bad yet. trap <laughs> yeah 100 percent. like my my warning bells are going off all over the place and nobody everybody seems my wife seems stressed but for the and my daughter seems stressed but everything seems 
largely cool, but I I can feel it in my uh, running up my spine. Like this is going to go sideways real bad. It's like there's a, an ambush coming and, and I can just I feel it. And so I leaned into my own knowledge and experience and skills. And I said, I don't know that this should happen at 930 at night on, you know, on, on, on Tuesday night. And I just said that and I just stepped back for a second to see what would happen. And that's when my daughter started crying and my wife said, it's due tomorrow. And she failed to tell us until right now when of she course. remembered it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, and, you know, you're going down the gopher hole. <laughs> oh, and so we're in this now. And again, it's, and I swear this ties back to leading and managing people because I could 100% blow this up nine different ways. Uh-huh. Uh, the easiest one is to say to my daughter, what are you doing? Right. What? Why I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not doing this. Right. I'm not doing this at 930 <laughs> at night, um, which will, of course, bring tears and upset and they'll be stomping. And then I'm going to have to do it anyway. Right. And everybody mm-hmm. will be mad at me. And so I'm like, OK, I'm just I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to. It's funny. Uh, one of my big parenting moves is I'll just stop talking and just breathe. Mm-hmm. And my children have picked up like, oh, dad's breathing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 The worst is when I when I when I have to stop and breathe, and then I tell them that I'm disappointed, and like it's like those are that's mm-hmm. high level parenting from Andy is like oh boy he's serious now he's he had, breathing uh-huh. he had to do breathing and then he has told us that he's not he's not angry but he's, <laughs> he's disappointed, disappointed. Uh, yeah it's uh-huh. like oh boy this is this is heavy <laughs> Sonia it was it was uh, I did not tell her I was disappointed but ultimately we waited in there got my calendar my wife got her calendar. We talked back and forth. We said to our daughter, there are some days that we cannot do this for you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to need to go ahead and communicate right now that you're going to be absent on those days. And she was like, okay. And then it was over. And we had, you know, gotten 80% of the time that she had to be there, something like that. And uh, and we had worked it out and nobody had gotten mad at anybody <laughs> and everything was fine. And so I stopped and I said to my wife, I was like, hey, I just want to pause here for a second and say that you and I handled this very well. And now <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night. We ha- we both feel good. We feel supported. We feel like we've got this figured out and uh-huh. it's done. And, and no one's <laughs> no one's not as ruined. And I just want I want to toast you <laughs> cheers on this success and uh i would not have celebrated that first of all i would have detonated that solution or that session uh-huh. 10 different ways earlier in my life in my marriage uh-huh. and then or, uh, i would have pulled it off and then not pause Walked for a away. second to say uh-huh. let's just let's just both own how perilous that journey was right and we made it just <laughs> fine and everybody's cool and like let's just let's just stop and and honor the uh the success that we just had and so anyway it's uh it's been there've been some some fall parenting conversations at our house oh that's that's funny that's uh we're we're in that season two and the conversation at our house is okay um so there are three there are three choices and you are gonna make the choice because it's not it's not my life. You, this is right. the thing you want to do. You can learn to ride the public bus and figure out how to get to and from, which is what I had to do as a kid. You can get a ride from a friend or get a ride home. And like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call up. So can't, can't you just call their? Nope. I'm not going to call someone's mom for you. You can do that. And you can ask yeah. them, the parent directly, not the kid, or you can just don't go. And those are your three choices, but I can only be in one place at a time. And <laughs> It's just like, yeah. so here's, here's, you know, here's how it's going to have to work. But I, I feel you on that. It's, it's hard. It's well, so teaching hard. those, teaching those self-advocacy skills is important. Like this is, it's life training, but it's yeah. like professional training I do yes. with my, with my kids. We yes. always make our kids write emails to their teacher. Yes. Like, I'm going to write it. Yes. You, you write you it. You write it. And, and we'll look at it yes. before they send it or whatever. But if they, if something's not going to work, they're going to be out. They're going to miss something. I, I make them write the email and then we we look at it and talk about it and then and then yeah. we send it. But it's like, man, uh, my wife's a college professor. And so through her and her stories, I right. know how many 20 something people cannot 
just do basic yes. communications about their availability <laughs> or, you know, expectations or concerns they have or anything. They just they just don't have those skills. And so, well, you know. and I'm pretty sure Allison probably has the same kind of stories I had. I mean, I remember the first time that I taught a class at the university and having students, parents send me an mm-hmm. email and I'm like, absolutely not. Your your kid is is 18 or 19 or 20 years old. A- absolutely not. Like, just you know, and it's just, yeah, they need to learn how to parent for themselves. It's one of the things that I'm actually really thankful for is that um, our gymnastics gym, our coach is amazing. I, I love her. Um, and she makes the kids have life lessons. And so we have, you know, kids who are six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. Um, and even the preschoolers, one of the first things she makes them do is learn to recite their parents phone number at the gym Uh and if they don't feel well or they feel like they need to go home that's okay they have to call their parent and ask for it she will not call for them Uh, well then then you get those germy kids on the using the phone receiver you know what i mean like there's 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 a downside it's like when flu season hits the vet clinic (laughs) i'm 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 hitting, I'm doing chlorhexidine spray yep. on the, on the receiver before I pick <laughs> yep. it up. There's Lysol wipes right there, but like they have to learn their parents' phone numbers. They, the kid, the kid, the team kids that if they have a phone, they have to call her like they and call and leave a message at the gym. Your parents' message is not acceptable to mispractice. And it, it's been so good for my kids to learn, um, you know, and even my daughter's the one in competitive gymnastics, but her brother goes to, to classes like obstacle course classes and stuff. And he, I'll make him call. I'm like, nope, you don't don't feel good you you're t- too tired from school this week you call and leave a message for kelly at the gym and it's amazing how much he's like well you know i'm not really actually that <laughs> actually that tired i guess i could go <laughs> all right well now now that we've got all the non-parents to turn the podcast right. off let's talk about what we really came here for and it's managing Hopefully. it's managing people who don't have kids that's the episode <laughs> ignore ignore the title on the ed- on the episode we're doing managing people who don't have kids and that's why we wanted to drive them off the podcast so we could talk just to you parents who are left oh my god this one is going to be so much fun so hopefully we have not lost uh people yet it's because fine. it's going to be it's juicy yeah it's, it is it's juicy, juicy. We got a great, uh, great question through the mailbag. So we had uh, someone send in an email asking if we could talk about fraternization in the workplace. And when I first read the first line of the email, I thought I knew where this was going and is is not where it was. It was actually going. You thought Um, thought we were going to be doing pledging and uh, uh, (laughs) talks about pledging. No. Sororitization in the event practice? No, no. Um, But there is actually application for for fraternity and sorority rules. Kelsey would agree with me in veterinary medicine. But no, I thought it was going to go along the lines of dating coworkers. Like I was just like, oh, okay, this is going into the like, do you have dating policies? Uh, And it is not. Um, It's funny. That's where your mind goes. When someone says, I'm going to talk about fraternization. You're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I know where this is going. Like it doesn't always go there, Stephanie. In my world, Andy Rourke, that is where it always goes. <laughs> In my world, it's a funnel. It's always a funnel, right? Right down, right down the room. Uh, if uh, Andy's Andy's description of me, if you've never heard it, is that I am <laughs> I'm like a 15 year old boy with yeah. glitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lots of those giggles are not always innocent giggles. (laughs) That's where the the funnel goes. But then the email got better. Um, And it was it was from someone who was struggling because they really enjoy spending time with their coworkers. Um, But they are worried about the perception of favoritism um, when they if and when they were to spend time with people outside of work. In, in particular, if they spend time with one group of people or one person in particular and not necessarily others, or they get invited to a party from someone and they go, but then they get invited to another party and there's a conflict and they can't go, are other people going to think that they're not going because they don't want to hang out? Like all of these things. And I thought, oh, this is such a such a good one. And so um, they were saying, you know, my rule for myself has always kind of been if we're going to hang out outside of work, I am going to go if everyone's invited. So if we're Mm -hmm. doing like a work thing and all the coworkers are getting together, um, but they were asking us in particular because they were saying, you know, I I have seen uh, Andy do things uh, where he's talking about hanging out with people uh, from work or from the, from the community, or, you know, you and I are hanging out and have, have put pictures on social media and they were asking, how do you balance uh, having having a life and being friends with yeah. some of the people that you work with, uh, with your work environment. Um, and so they, then it, then it went where I thought it was going <laughs> with, with the fraternization because then they said, they said, and, 
uh, than what happens if you do have a relationship blossom uh, from from friendship. Um, and in particular, they were asking, like, what happens, you know, if someone on the team starts dating somebody else or, um, you know, if you have yeah, coworkers like that are happens, hanging out and a doctor. What happens when board game night becomes not <laughs> board game night? I was I was going to go. We might have to put a, a this is not a PG episode rating. Nah. <laughs> this one. We're going to no, keep this like, PG. What, what this happens PG. what happens when uh you know someone's dating particularly um in a position of th- authority and that's that's a question that I get asked as a manager a lot like what happens if a doctor starts dating a support staff member or um you know that that kind of thing. So there yeah. were there were multiple questions packed into the email and I thought it was so, so great. And so, you know, we've talked a little bit about previously, uh, we have an episode about being friends with coworkers and it kind of being lonely at the top. And we talked about what it feels like to be left out um, as a manager uh, from from the the networking and the friendships. Um, but I thought that this was a this was a great uh, different take on how do you how do you figure out that for yourself and what does that look like because it fits so nicely into our let's talk about headspace yeah. all right cool i like this a lot so so let me let me give some background to this and then we'll lay it down uh so i have i've been doing more of this recently i am very much and in, in this phase in my life a huge believer in the power of interpersonal relationships and so i've i have i've had a very wonderful career um but i, I do not plan to lay on my deathbed and think about, boy, that was such a wonderful career I had. Like, no, I plan to lay on my deathbed and think about my friends and my family and the relationships I have. Like, that's, sure. I think that's, that's what really matters. So I really, I really feel that way a lot. And this person even mentioned like, oh, I've seen Andy, you know, he does these things or he posts about them or he talks about them. Uh, you know, we had, a, um, I understand where they were coming from when they, when they said, oh, you know, whatever we do, everybody's invited. Well, I wrote recently about the fact I was in the treatment room. And I was looking around and I genuinely really like the doctors that I work with. They're great. Now, mm-hmm. that does not mean the techs I work with are not great. They are equally great, but I get to work with them. Like right. They're in the rooms with me and we're talking all day. I really like the vets I work with, I, I, but I will go a whole day and not speak to them. Right. Because right. they're seeing their cases that I'm seeing mine. And, you know, I'll, I'll slap them a high five or ask them how they're doing. But usually they're half distracted or I'm half distracted mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it just sort of settled on me. And I was like, man, I really like these people. And also, I would like to talk to them about doctor stuff. I would like to kick. The, I, I would like to learn about where they went to vet school. I would like to sure. talk about cases. I would like, you know, I just. The things you have in common. The thing. Yeah, exactly right. The thing, the yep. things that we have in common. And we have 10 doctors. We've got a ton of staff. I'm right. not trying to organize an outing for a hundred people, right. but we can meet at the we can meet at the brewery after work one night. Just right. you know, just a, an informal doctor get together. Not trying to be exclusionary, but just like, hey, doctor night. Let's have a round table. Let's talk sure. about how things are going. Let's talk about everything except work. But let's right. let's just get to know each other and hang out. And so I did that, and I and I talked about it because it was really lovely, and we're going to be doing it. I, my goal is to do it once a quarter because I just I just really liked it. Sure. And uh, you know, I, and so I, I think that that's, that's important, and, and I I just I'm a big believer in that type of interpersonal interpersonal relationships and sort of hanging out and stuff. And so they called it out. So that's that's why I'm like, okay, I am on board with this. I am definitely not one who's like, nope, you should not do anything with someone from work unless everyone is invited. Like I, I get it, and I, and and. I'm going to ask people to kind of use their common sense here and not be exclusionary. Nobody likes to be left out and excluded. Right. Um, but that said, also, I, I think that if you want to have doctors get together or you want to have the CSRs get together, it doesn't need to be a um, – that doesn't need to be scandalous. I mean, there's common sense ways that you can do that and not make people feel bad. Uh, you just you just have to be – you have to be smart about it. I think the larger question is, um, is not just – do we do these things with people from work? But it is how do we control the perception of favoritism that comes along with that? How yes. long is it until people are like, what are the doctors talking about when they get together? Right. And when uh, Andy goes out and hangs out with his his two male technician friends, are they is that because they're his favorites and right. he's not going to ask them to do the crappy stuff. He's going to ask the rest of the techs to do the crappy stuff, or he's going to get them opportunities that they right. would not get if they weren't his buddies. Right. Because I, there, there are, there are some techs that, and, and, uh, not exclusively male, but there's a couple of male techs and, and I just, I, I like those guys and, and we, you know, we kick around and just sort of sure. 
laugh and hang out and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. I don't want anybody to think that it's favoritism, but just, I don't know. We just have a certain rapport. And, uh, and I, but anyway, but I want to keep that positive. So, so anyway, so the question is, how do you, how do you do this? Uh, how do you, how do you do this and how do you keep it in balance? Right. So I, I want to talk about three things uh, to start off with. So, so w- let's talk about f- what favoritism is and why it's a problem. Let's talk about work friends and what that means. And let's talk about pr- our private lives. Okay. And so that's kind of how I, because I really thought a lot about this when I got it. And I was like, okay, let me try to lay this, lay this down uh, and, and make a fair case. So, okay, so there's that. All right, favoritism. That's what we're worried about. So why is, why is favoritism a problem, right? So favoritism is a problem for a couple of reasons. Number one, if people start perceiving that there's unfairness, they get really upset, right? People are wired sure. to pay attention to what is fair yeah. and what is not. I heard this great analogy recently. It, kind of, it knocked me backwards. And so, okay, you have to answer this out loud. But the question was, what would you rather have? Would you rather have two weeks of vacation and everybody else gets one? Or would you rather have four weeks of vacation and everybody else gets eight? Uh, that's a hard question because the first place my brain went to was neither is fair. So it <laughs> proved your point. <laughs> neither is fair. Exactly. And that, and that's the point. And of course, we all hope that we would say, oh, well, obviously the one where other people, you know, where Get, other people benefit, that's fine. Right. I want four weeks because it's more. But in the studies that are done, a lot of people pick option one because they can't stand the fact that everyone around them gets twice as much vacation as they do. Sure. Like it, 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 sure. it, it would bother them. Anyway, as I said, you don't have to answer out loud, but it's, it is, uh, I thought it was interesting, but it really highlights that immediate reaction to fairness. Right. And so, so and so is friends with the doctor. So and so is friends with the practice manager. That can 100% trigger those feelings of unfairness. There's also that can escalate up to feelings of hopelessness, where it's like, I, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm not going to get the opportunity because they like this other person more. Right. And that's, yes. that's, again, that really goes to that unfairness, but unfairness can turn to hopelessness when you're like, it doesn't matter. How hard, how hard I work. And so that's another part of it is this perception that your work doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You can you can give people a perception that they lack control, right? Um, they 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 have to respond to what you do with other people. Meaning, um, they're again, it kind of goes back to their their skills don't make them who they are. Their professionalism doesn't make them who they are because the friend group is going to get first picking of opportunities, yes. of cases, of yes. development, of CE, of raises, of, of things like that, uh, of schedule uh, selection. Once people start thinking that, that that there's an inside track for that stuff, boy, everything, everything can really go off the rail. If you start feeling like I don't have any control of my life because really I get what the friend group doesn't want, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty crappy. There's a perception that I'm not going to be developed because I'm not because I'm not on the in group um, because I don't get to talk to the doctor that much and so I'm yes. not going to grow. Um, I'm missing opportunities. As I said I worry about uh, information control and this is a big one and and it's sort of it's it's almost like it's like when favoritism dovetails with gossiping or gossip culture or sure. worries about gossip. The idea is well the in group has the information right and the out group doesn't have be the left information. Out. Yeah. So even if there's not actual benefits to the in group besides knowledge, we all know that knowledge is power. Sure. Knowledge is politics. Right. You know, there is definitely this power of information or access to information. Right. So all of those things are sort of the problems that come out of favoritism or perceived favoritism. Now, I think um, it's really important to acknowledge because I suspect we'll have some people listening who are like, yes, I see all of those things that Andy just mentioned. And I'm worried about them for good reason, because mm-hmm. it is something that I have seen on a personal level, sadly, yeah. pretty rampantly in veterinary medicine on both sides of the equation, right? The the team member who becomes friends with team members as a, as a manager, as a leader, and then there is all of the preferential, uh, you know, or perception of preferential treatment that you that you mentioned or on the flip side with the doctor and their their friends or or support staff. So I think it's important to recognize that we're we're not saying 
that that all exists in a vacuum. Like we we totally recognize that it is a thing that happens. And the important part from a headspace perspective is that you have to recognize that there's biases on both sides. And mm-hmm. so, it yes, it is a thing that happens. And also we recognize that it's harder to overcome when it has happened to you. Because like I have, I have seen this and have had to actively overcome my own biases to sure. ask myself like, okay, but is it rational that I'm thinking that way? Or am I thinking that way because of my my prior experiences, right? So yeah. I think that's an important an important piece of it because like when you, when you talked about all of those pieces, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm, I, I have seen that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but here's the important thing with managing favoritism, right? It really, the, the question is not, are you um, playing favorites? Right. right. The it's question the is, perception. does your team perceive that you're playing right. favorites? Because I have a lot of people who go, I have this terrible problem. And boy, people are really angry because my best friend is one of the technicians and I don't do anything. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you do anything. Right. It's They're not going to act on what you do. They're right. going to act on what they believe that you right. do. And so right. you have a perception problem, yes. which can be just as problematic as having an actual problem. So you've, you've controlling that perception is really what this is about more so than even the actual behavior. You're not going to control the perception if you're actually doing the thing. But there's a lot of poor, uh, you know, uh, managers, leaders out there who have not been playing favorites, but they're being accused of it or people suspect that or that's the rumor. And now they're having to deal with the fallout and they're like, I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm like, I I understand. Sometimes we don't do anything wrong, but we still have to manage the perception or we have to fight a perception that's unfair. And so anyway, I think that's the other point I want to make about favoritism is whether or not the sin actually happened Oftentimes, you are battling the perception that the sin happened, which yeah. may or may not be true. Yeah. So there's that. So, so I'm going to pivot now to talking about to about talking about friends. I'm talking about friends in the vet clinic. And uh, you and I have talked about this before uh, a, a number of times because it kind of comes up. And I think we see pretty eye to eye on this, but it's still kind of controversial when I sort of lay it out. Um, I, I often say to people, I, I don't think you can be friends with people in the vet clinic. And I say that to kind of get a reaction. But it really comes down to how you define your friends, okay? And so, bear with me. If you have friend friends, just people out in the world, you would put that person over that person's employer, right? Like, if they were like, oh, man, I I, I called in sick because I wanted to go hiking with you, you know, or, uh, boy, we stayed out late last night. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call in sick in the morning or, you know, whatever. You're not going to call up Publix, the shopping center and be like, Hey, I got to tell you about this employee. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't know those people, right. like whatever. Um, you might, you might question the honesty of your friend, but, but you would still, you would have a person that you knew and you cared about and then sort of a faceless employer and you go, yeah, you know, kind of, Kind of, kind of whatever, right? Right. Um, if you have friend friends, then you would do what you could to help that person get ahead, right? Like you would, if you could open doors for that person, you would. If you could help that person develop and achieve career aspirations, you would. If you could help that person get promoted, then you would. And so all of those things are, are truths about, you know, about, about our friend friends. If, you, if that person has a secret and they shared it with you, you would save it. Like you would keep, you would keep that secret. Now, if you have work friends and you're the doctor and they're the support staff or the CSR or whatever, or you're the medical director and they're, and they're one of the associate doctors, there's some caveats to this relationship because you do have a responsibility to this employer and, you're, and to the job. And I would say that your responsibility to the job comes first in order to be fair to the other workers, right? Not It's not even about the company. It's right. about being fair to the other people who right. you're responsible for. Yeah. And so if you go on a bender and you call me and go, dude, I'm smashed, not coming in today, I'm not going to chuckle that off because you just left me and the rest of the team shorthanded. Right. And I don't care if you call Target. And tell them you are on a bender right. and you're not coming in, like, or tell them that you're sick, because right. I don't work at Target, right? And I don't have to deal with the fallout, but I have to deal with the fallout here, right? And I just think that that's important for defining what friendship in the workplace means, which means the, the friendships are, are fundamentally different. There are caveats in work friendships that are not in regular friendships, yeah. and and everybody should know that. Well, because I think your life as a human being in the work environment 
is when you are work friends, it's impacted in two ways. You can have the impact on a personal side and there's a there's a work impact as well. So like if we're friends at work and I um I am having something go on at home, right? I can have a conversation with you and my work friend and tell you about that and we could if we weren't working together, we could both go our separate ways and that sits with you as a friend, but it doesn't impact your ability to do your job. Right. If we're work friends and I, you know, come to you and I'm like, you know, Andy, I got into a, a horrible fight with my, you know, partner last night and, uh, you know, I'm I'm just like I'm in tears. That's going to impact our the friend piece in our conversation and then mm-hmm. also impact our work environment because you're sure. going to be affected by my emotions at work. We both are. And so there is not that separation of the work person and the friend person as easily as if you worked in two separate work environments. And so I think just on a human level, it you're not you have to think about the fact that you're considering that person as a person and you're considering that person as a person inside your work environment. Well, I think that's a great example. So if you came to me and you're like, I'm having this problem with my with my partner, you know, whatever, and, and we're friends, I'll be endlessly supportive of you. And if we work together and you come to me again, and again, and again, and again with problems about your work partner, I'll be supportive of you to the degree I'm able to be while still being fair to the rest of the team who has work to get done and needs you to show up and needs you to pull your weight because, you know, it's we all have bad days and we all go through some stuff. But at some point, if if I'm in charge, um, yes. I and you're not going you to say to me, I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I, I still am responsible for getting this work done. Right. And if I don't, <laughs> if I don't get the work done, everybody else is being punished because I'm not saying anything to you about about where we are. Right. And, I guess my, and if I wouldn't do it for them. That then we really got a problem because that's that is favoritism, and and they're right. going to see it. And they're going to be like, oh, buddy, if I came in and was just out of sorts and didn't get my stuff done for you know for 5 weeks. Right. He would not be super cool and supportive to me. That's that's the definition of favoritism. And I and I think that that's the example, right? And I think that's why I said a lot of people are looking at this going, "Okay, because it is really easy to fall into the the favoritism trap totally unintentionally because you because you care about them, right? You care about them as a human being. And like the best example I can give is is that personal example where someone comes in and they're having problems at home and you give them a little bit of latitude, right? And then it's that shifting baseline where it starts as they're having one yep. bad day and you give them the latitude, the same latitude you would give to anybody else on the team. If any one of my team came in in tears, I would just say to them, go go take a break. Like go get get yourself together. I would do that for any one of the team. If it happens a couple of days in a row, I would probably also do it for any one of the team. Mm-hmm. And when it starts happening over and over or someone starts being late because they're having fights with their partner or whatever the example is, that behavior pattern, now it's becoming a pattern. And that's yeah. where we start to see the favoritism come in because we start to see some people who are given latitude or grace and others who are not. And I think that's why people are like, but it isn't, it isn't black and white. And, and I would agree with you on that. Like, that's where we get ourselves into trouble as leaders when we find it really hard because a lot of us struggle with conflict. Mm-hmm. And I have yeah. felt this as a leader who's friends with my friends. Like, I've had to have the really hard conversation. Like, I have to take off my friend hat right now and we have to have the boss. I'm putting yeah. on my boss hat. We have to have a conversation because if anybody else on the team was, was this is where we would at, we would, this is the conversation that I have to have with you because I'd have it with any other member of the team. Right. Well, and there are a lot of people that struggle with that. Well, I, I love the wording that you used, you know, and, and like, honestly, that's, that is actual, the exact wording that I would use is say, Hey, I'm going to have to take my friend hat off here and talk to you. Cause I, I, I would have to talk about, this with anybody else on the team. Yeah. And, th- and then and then you that's that's how you have that conversation, which is outside the scope of what we're talking about today. But <laughs> I just I, I really liked your wording. Uh, I thought that was just but it's true. Thank you. You know, well, there's no scenario where I go to my friend friend go, hey, I know this divorce has been tough. I just want to. How's your work productivity? <laughs> you feel like you feel Did you like finish getting, your CPS reports this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like, mm, what's your average client transaction looking like? I mean, just just checking on you. Uh, like that's not that never happens yeah but we may yeah. get called on in all seriousness um we may get called to have those types of conversations with someone who who works with us and so anyway i'm not my point here is to get your head around where i'm going you have to number one 
recognize and understand what's bad about favoritism, what the problems are. Number two, you have to get your head around what work friendships look like and understand they're different from outside of work friendships. And mm-hmm. you got to buy into that. Mm-hmm. And the last part is, I, 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 you said I was showing my age before, but really show it now. <laughs> I'm going to talk about keeping your private life private and, oh, and just okay. say... There are downsides to making a habit of sharing your personal life on social media. Oh, absolutely. And I I think a lot of that gets glossed over and people are like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. I'm out and I'm posting. If you, especially if you have friends at work or things like that, um, you should be mindful, not just about when you're out you know, with these certain friends, because then it feels like you're keeping a secret. But there are some benefits sometimes to just not post a whole lot on social media so that when you go to doctor's night at the brewery where just us vets are getting together, people aren't looking at it on Instagram and being like, what is this? Why wasn't I invited to that? Again, it's, it's not a secret. I'm just not promoting it out to the world that, hey, here I am with all my buddies uh, you know, have, having this good time. They just, they, people don't need to know. It's just sort of part of my life in general. But anyway, that may sound silly, but it is amazing how often people are like, yeah, I understand favoritism or perception of favoritism might be a problem. And here's a bunch of pics from the weekend with me hanging out with a certain subset of people from work. And if you hadn't posted that stuff, it would not have been an issue. Yes. But you did. You posted it all weekend long, and right. then something that should have gotten done in the kennel didn't get done over the weekend, and now people are really upset. Right. And you could have 100% avoided all of that headache if you just kept your private life to yourself. And so anyway, I'm not trying to preach it, people. I hope it's not coming <laughs> off that way. But honestly, especially as especially as a leader in the practice, you should be sort of mindful. I'm not saying don't use social media or whatever. There are downsides to making it a habit to share your public life out so everybody kind of knows what you're doing and what you do with your time because you open yourself up to some critiques of how you use your time. That's not fair, but it's just true, you yes. know? Yes, I The the analogy I, w- I would use is, and I started to think about other things in life that kind of mirror this, and again, it's sort of common sense, but, you know, if you remember a time in your life when you did something really small and really special for your birthday, like... I remember um, for one of my birthdays when I was a kid, my dad took me to an NBA basketball game and he took one of my friends. And like that was because I was super into NBA basketball. But it was like, hey, the Charlotte Hornets are playing on this day and we're going to we're going to go. And I took my one friend. I was like, well, that was well before social media, which is great. But if that was you and you were going you would be mindful not to make your other friends who didn't get to go not feel like second-rate citizens, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be mindful of like, hey, we're doing this thing. I, I don't want to make other people feel left out. And again, I, I, I don't know. The, the same type of discretion, I guess, is kind of what I'm thinking of here. It's mm-hmm. just part of this is just being a nice person and, you know, a, and a person who has friends and, and you know, uh, doesn't want people to feel excluded. And again, it's not a... It's not something rigorous I'm thinking about here, but just a little bit of attention in this regard can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, and I and I think, I think, um, you know, the the like going going back to my funnel, and the the last piece of it is I think everything that you've talked about and that we've talked about so far from Headspace perspective, like I don't think any of that changes when it is potentially a romantic relationship. Right. Right. Because I I think you still there still is the conversation about the perception of favoritism and Mm. there still is the conversation about like, are you working at work or are you friends friendsing at work? Right. Mm. And what does what does that look like? Um, And there is the there is the piece about is your private life actually private? Are you sharing details of your relationship and are your peers at work? seeing that and getting unfiltered access to that, whether it's through social media or the way that you're interacting at work, like what does that look like? All of those things still should be thought about and still should be yeah. filtered through when it when it is, um, you know, a romantic relationship. As a leader, I think there's a, an extra layer um, of that you absolutely have to think about from like the HR and um, perspective um, in terms of protecting the team uh, against and the company really against oh, sure. things like uh, favoritism and sexual harassment and all of those kinds of things. Cool. And 
just the relationship pieces of it, I think your filters that you laid out are applicable, whether it's a friendship or a platonic friendship or, or a romantic relationship. Yeah, I completely agree. So so if this escalates to a romantic relationship that we're talking about, the the, the four little pieces I would say here is ba- basically n- none of this that we just talked about before changes. It's all exactly the same. Um, but the big things I would lay out is remember your favoritism problems. They all still apply here if this is a re- if this is a romantic relationship plus the fallout of any drama that gets brought to work. Like you've sure. got that. You've yeah. got to follow HR rules, and that's beyond the scope of what we have time for today. But this, especially if this is a power dynamic, yes, meaning you absolutely. have a doctor and a technician. Uh, again, I have seen many doctors and technicians going to get married, and it's a right. lovely, wonderful thing. And so right. I'm not saying don't, don't, don't. But I am also saying we live in a litigious society. We've all seen and heard of terrible, horrible things. Yes. You need to make sure that you don't have one person who has power over another person, organizational workplace power over another person, uh, You know, who's in a place where they could abuse that or right. uh, or take advantage of that person. And so you need to make sure that you're following the HR rules. And if you don't know what HR rules are, we'll, we'll have to dig in another time. Uh, if you bring out of work uh, uh, life to the office, then you'll have to deal with the consequences of that, which means sure. like you still got to get your work done. You should be held accountable for professional conduct. And that's, that's just my belief is if you want to bring your stuff in, um, you're still going to be held accountable for the work job that that we have to right. do. And I just, I right. think that that's really important. And the last thing is, it's not the job of the company or the team to facilitate your love life or to deal with the fallout from it. Which means if you, just because you are dating someone does not mean the rest of the team should be inconvenienced by that in any way, shape or form. Uh, and it also doesn't mean that they should have to deal with the fallout if things go bad. And so anyway, that's just, that's about being fair to everybody. And just and just balance across the team. But uh, anyway, so all that those are sort of my core fu- fundamental building blocks here. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll just get into the action steps. I want to put these things together into what do you do with all this, and then we can be out. Okay. Hey friends, you have heard Andy and I talking about some of the big things that are coming in the back half of 2023 for Uncharted, but we are not done. In fact, we are not even close to done with releasing all of the new fun and exciting stuff that our team has been working on. So I want to make sure you don't miss out on it. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you're going to hear about it. But if you want to guarantee that you are the first to hear about the big giant announcement that we have coming soon, so, so, so soon, but not soon enough, you want to head over to the website, unchartedvet.com forward slash insight. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T, unchartedvet.com forward slash insight and sign up for the newsletter. That will get you on the list and guarantee that you have first dibs access to the big, big news that is coming soon. Don't miss it. I promise you're not going to want to miss out. And now back to the podcast. All right. So we have talked about the things that are huge for me. We've talked about the problems of uh, favoritism. We talked about the different kinds of friends and work friends are are different. And then we've talked about keeping our private life private and some benefits therein. So you've take those. Um, The biggest one, action step number one for me is sit down and think about those problems with favoritism and make sure that you're conscious of them, right? Remember that the problem is not the problem. The perception of the problem is the problem. Right. And so could it be perceived that you are being unfair because of your friends, that people are not getting opportunities because your friends are getting opportunities, that they are not getting developed because you don't talk to them, or they they don't feel like you're approachable because you're always hanging out with your buddies, you know? Um, just be aware of how favoritism can really get you in trouble. Like, what is the damages from it? And then ask yourself, could I be perceived this way? And if so, how can I modify what I'm doing to reduce those chances or to eliminate those chances? And that's action step number one. And that's honestly the biggest action step by far in my mind. But how do you feel about that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think the hard part, right, is that you wish that you could go to the clinic and ask every member of your team and get a straight answer, but you won't like you, you can't and you won't like you might get some information from them. But this is where I think you have to put on your imagination hat and kind of hallucinate. And the way that I would suggest is take yourself out of the clinic. If you were in any other work environment, if you worked at Publix and you worked with a team of of, uh, you know, cashiers at Publix and you went into work and this was the situation, 
what, as a team member, what might you be thinking about that boss or about that manager or about that, you know, what, whatever the situation is, ask yourself that question and, and make yourself a, a list because you, it's amazing how quickly our human brains get irrational. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when you, when you do that exercise and you actually ask yourself to make that hallucination, I've thought of some really like, it's, a, it's been crazy to me um, when I, ha- the kinds of things that I have thought of and thought, wow, like, would I really think that about somebody? Probably not, but I could see where someone could think that about somebody, right? And it, because we're all filtering it through our own life experience lenses. And so I think, you know, if you're struggling with that, you might have people on your team who you could ask and just say, hey, how do you perceive me and actually get an honest answer? But most of us won't get that raw honesty that we need. And so like taking yourself out of the situation and imagining a team environment that you've been on or a previous work environment, like if you were just a member of the team and this scenario was was happening, how might you, how might you think or feel? And on the flip side, if you were in that person's shoes, how might you think or feel as the person who's in control? No, I I think, I think that's a, I, I think that that's a, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. I think trying to get your head around that is key. I think probably a lot of people at this point are, are making the assumption that we're talking about limiting what you do with people or like, oh, you know what? Um, you don't have to limit your, uh, your connection with your friends, uh, but instead it's about expanding access to you to everybody and making sure that people feel like they're being treated fairly. And honestly, the answer might not be, talking less to people that you like, it might be talking more to those to those quiet staff members, the people that you don't know as well. Right. It might be about investing some more time into other people just so that you're not seen as having a core friend group, you know, right. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Know that know that you're gonna have favorites. Right. We all we all have yes. work friends. Yes. We all have favorites. You're going to have favorites. Yes. But you can't show it. Like you can't but you can't show it. You're going to have favorites, but you can't show it. And so in this case, you know, a lot of the, we can make a lot of these perceived problems and the things that people worry about. We can make that go away with systems, right? Systems like pay scales, assignment rotations, where, you know, if there's a, if there's a task that nobody wants to do, there's a system where it's fair and everybody gets a turn. And it's not just who does Andy point at today? And he always seems to point at certain people and not at other people. Um, Something like that. If people have to stay late, if you take walk-ins that run past hours, it should not be, who am I going to ask to stay tonight? Because that can be unfair in a lot of different ways. But it's, you should, if it happens again and again, you should have a plan for it. And um, there should be a rotation for people to stay late. There should be a plan for uh, what people get paid, how they request time off, who gets CE, how much CE they get, who asks you to do the crappy job that nobody wants to do, and all of those things. Like, if these are points of contention, the more that you can make it a transparent system and fair, the less people are going to point at you and say, you're playing favorites. You you don't, you don't never ask your friends to do this. Or this person got a raise because they're your friend. Just just thinking ahead and setting yourself up for success in those regards makes a lot of these pain points go away. I, I'm so glad that you said that because it, I think just full stop, like acknowledging every human being is going yep. to lean towards the bias of having favorites and just acknowledging that. And and the piece about the systems and I got, I have to speak to the, the managers and the practice owners and the leaders who are listening to this. It is really important to recognize that if you make an allowance once, you have to consider the ramifications of that allowance always being made because you yeah. will always be tempted. And I say this with total love and because I have done it where, where you have a rule and I'm gonna give you an example. So you have, I ha- had a system for how people request time off. Mm-hmm. And then it was w- one person per um, like small department. We had a smaller team, one person per department because- we struggled if we were down more than one person. And I had a longstanding team member who had put in a time off request. And then I had another team member who was someone that I was close to outside of work that had something come up that was like, a, a you know, felt like to her a once in a life kind of opportunity. And mm-hmm. I was like, of course, I want you to go to that thing. And I broke the rule and I let them both be off. And I cover, I said, I will step in and I will cover for you. The next time that happened, someone else had time off and they were like, well, last time this person got to take mm-hmm. it off 
And so like, can't you just cover for me? And I was like, no, I I can't do that. And then I was in the position of, I had set an example. I had done the thing. And now the expectation from the rest of the team was going to be that that be the case. And I did it to, I did it to myself. And so I think it's really important to recognize that and recognize that there are always going to be, um, there are always going to be life exceptions. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make the exception. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that because if someone has a once in a lifetime trip opportunity or is getting married or whatever it is, like your team are human beings and you love them and you want to celebrate them. But as a manager, an owner, a leader in a practice, you can't make that decision in a vacuum. You have to consider the future ramifications of that and how you are going to deal with that in the future um, because it, because it will come up again. Yeah, I agree. Number three in my action steps after, uh, you know, considering the problems and and recognizing that you'll have favorites, but you can't show it. So lean into mm-hmm. systems. Uh, num- number three is uh, be comfortable mentioning your desire to protect other people's feelings if you are out doing things with friends from work. Um, I don't have a problem saying so. I do a lot of board games and board game nights and things like that. And so uh, sometimes I'll have people from work come over and they'll play board games or whatever. And And it's not uncommon for me just to mention to them, hey, I don't want other people to feel left out because, you know, we, we only got so much place, space at the table. Um, and so, yeah, if you don't mind keys or keeping on the down low, I'd appreciate it. And that's not asking them to keep a secret. It's not a secret. I don't mean for it to be a secret. But again, I'd really appreciate it if people didn't come and start posting pictures all over social media of hanging out with this small group of people and doing this thing. Um, and, and so I don't think it's a, a you usually don't have to make that request if you're dealing with sort of mature people who can kind of understand. But um, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to just sort of mentioning it, uh, especially if I see it. Um, I'll say, hey, you know, um, I don't want I don't want we weren't able to bring everybody, and I don't want people to feel left out. So if you don't mind sort of keeping it keeping it quiet and definitely not in, in your face, uh, that would that would I'd be appreciative of that. And then if you have some people, some people won't do it. Some people just, they will not, they will not go for it. And you should recognize that if you invite this person along, they're going to broadcast what's going on and it might make other people feel bad. And maybe you're going to adjust how you spend time with that person or if you spend time with that person. I've definitely seen that done. Yeah, I I um, think that one of those things that's worth considering goes back to part of what we talked about in the headspace, which is that um, you have to consider uh, what the the fallout or the ramifications of living your life on social media and living in a very public way. Um, because I think, you know, before social media, we could do a thing with a small group of friends. And the only way that other people were going to know about that thing is if we all talked about it, right? If we all came back to work the next day and we were like, oh my God, we had so much fun last night and blah, blah, blah. Then you open the doors and create the opportunity for other people to be jealous. Well, how come I wasn't invited? And that only happened if people talked about it. And now that people are living their lives through social media, we are inviting people in, in, in a very, very different way. And so, you know, the recently, um, this last year, I went on a trip with some, uh, people that I am friends with who also are a part of our, um, you know, work sphere and the uncharted family. And we sat down and had a conversation and we're like, are we going to document this on social media or not? And we talked honestly about the fact that we don't want anybody to feel left out. And so we made the agreement that we weren't going to document it on social media. That meant that didn't mean that we weren't going to talk about it. That didn't mean that we were going to be like, oh, I didn't do this thing. We just were not going to broadcast it to the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in yeah. a way that was like, let's invite you in, knowing that that had the potential to have that that ramification. Um, and I think it is something that is worth considering and worth having, um, you know, the conversation, particularly around that social media aspect. And I find that that feels like um, it, we had the conversation about, does it feel like we're asking to keep a secret or not? And because we were talking about it in the social media context, it was like, oh, no, like we we feel good about not putting it in everybody's face, but it's not like it's a secret. Right. You know, and so that felt better. I I, I don't know why, um, but I guess from a from a human brain perspective, it felt like, OK, this is not inviting everybody to the table with us. And I think that that's what we do with social media. And so well, it's really yeah. it's really easy for the team to get left out you know, versus, oh, I'm bringing it up at work. Hey, Andy, wasn't that trip that we, you know, wasn't that trip, that girl's trip we went on, Andy? Wasn't that so much fun? You know, we're not having that conversation in the treatment room. Well, the the idea that we have to be so inclusive in our lives 
that we can't do things that we enjoy with anything less than a full set of, you know, people that we work with. That's just that's just not it's not reality. It's not reality. And, yeah. and I feel like we've kind of painted ourselves into this corner in some way. And, but I think it's because we've we've given away a lot of our privacy. And so people go, oh, well, people will see this well, I, again. I think it's time to start taking back some of our privacy and just how we live our lives. And, and say, none of this is meant to be uh, to be secretive or duplicitous or anything. But it's just to say, man, um, there's nothing wrong with going out with a couple of people and just not not broadcasting it to the world so that other people feel excluded and just it's not a secret, but it's just it's having a private life is is what it is. And the last thing that I would say, and this is kind of a um, it's kind of a weak one, but if if we want to get together, we want to hang out. Um, again, a lot of times it's about perception and people imagining what's happening when you and your friends get together and they're not there. Um it, it might be it might be helpful to have things that you do that make it feel like you're not just getting together and talking about work or or people at work. You know, I think everybody is like, what do they do? Do they talk about us? Do they talk about when the doctors get together? Do they talk about the text? The answer is no. Like we we tell stories of vet school and previous places that we worked and just uh, cases that we saw. And that's that's what it is. Um, it can be helpful if you if you want to get together and do stuff having an activity, you know, playing, playing basketball, playing board games, going to a movie, doing axe throwing, going to top golf, doing, playing video games, but, but something where you're like, Hey, yeah, we, we, we come together for a purpose beyond just talking, but I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's a weird perspective, but it always makes me feel better. I love it. I love it. And can I, can I give, can I give an example? So, um, you, you, as you mentioned, you love board games and you are a nerd. Um, Yes, it's true. <laughs> and you uh, play a nerd board game. Um, you play Dungeons and Dragons with one of my best friends, with Jen Galvin. Yes. And so, and uh, Jen and I, uh, Jen's business partner, Erica, wants nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. And I could be in the middle. If you guys said, hey, Stephanie, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons, I'd be like, I'll come hang out with you guys just to hang out with you. But I have no interest in playing. Right. And Erica's on the opposite camp. I don't want nothing to do with it. Neither one of us feels left out. If you're like, hey, we're going to nerd together and yeah. play this thing we c- because you're doing a thing and right. And we have the choice. And I think that that's why your point is so important, that there are going to be things that you do with people potentially from work. I at a period in my life was in a book club with somebody from work and we had we had wine and we hung out. And other people were like, oh, I like the social aspect of that, but that sounds super nerdy and boring AF. And I would have no desire to go sit around and talk about the Oprah book club of the month, right? Like when people see the activity and can filter it through that lens, it makes it easier for them to crawl out of the caveman brain and and not look at it from the jealousy perspective, because that's I think that we're just hardwired to look at it that way. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think it is really important to look at it potentially through that lens. And if you find that you do have people on your team who express an interest in that, then maybe it becomes about, oh, well, if you're interested in that, maybe I still have D&D night with my nerd friends, but maybe we also do a team D&D night. So everybody yeah. is invited and everybody can experience that thing. It doesn't mean that they have to be be mutually exclusive. And I think a lot of us look at it like, well, if somebody else wants to join in on this activity, then I can never do that activity with this work friend again without having to invite everybody. No, you absolutely can. And it can still be private time. And you can create the space for everybody to feel like they're joining in on something or picking a different activity. Like it, I think we go into that. It has to be one or the other and it, and it doesn't, I don't think. Right. No, I, I completely agree. So that, that's, that's what I got on, uh, on favoritism. I hope it was helpful for people. I said, it's a little bit of a perspective check. It's a, it's about thinking about why this matters. It's about thinking about what it means to have relationships with people that we, that we work with, especially people, uh, that we're supposed to be managing or leading things like that. But yeah, it's, um, it's something that's definitely worth paying attention to. It's a thing that you're probably always going to have to manage a little bit. It's not a set it and forget it sort of thing. There's a lot of things you can do to make your life a lot easier. If you end up in a practice where you don't have clear tra- systems, you don't have any transparency about what it takes to get ahead or how schedules are made or or how raises are given or things like that, um, 
you're you're probably setting yourselves up to to have some to have some more challenges. And, if, and I think that's where we see a lot of it in the industry, yes. right? And we see a lot mm-hmm. of the biases in hospitals that don't have systems like that. And so people are wondering, well, are they getting paid more than me now because they're friends with Stephanie outside of work? Or are sure. they getting paid more than me because they actually have skills that I don't have? And it's that lack of transparency, that lack of systems that often leads us to those places where the, the bias absolutely is present. And again, we're not saying that it isn't, um, but it, it's happening because there aren't those systems in place. Yep, exactly right. So that that's that's exactly it. So cool. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for talking through it with me. Yeah. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Yeah, take care, everybody. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. This was a fun one. We really enjoyed it and we hope you did too. If you enjoyed this episode and you are a practice owner or a practice manager and you have not signed up to come hang out with us in Greenville in December, I want you to head over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out all of the information that's there about our practice leader summit. Now we've talked about it on the podcast. Eventually the practice leader summit is going to be open to a variety of leadership positions in the practice. But this year we are doing practice owners and practice managers. And I would love it if you both would come together. But if you are in that role within your practice and you want to come to Greenville, South Carolina to work with me, Andy, Maria, the rest of the Uncharted team on working on your practice and not in your practice, spending time focusing on your relationship as leaders in the practice and talking about things like today's podcast episode from the big picture sense. How do we run the practice? What are what is our vision? What is our values? What uh, who do we want to be as a practice? If that's your jam, don't miss out. Again, head over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events and sign up to be there with us in person. Don't miss out. It's going to be a blast. See you there. And we'll talk to all of you next week. Take care, everybody.